Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. today is military loss and support, and our first guest is Dr. Reg Williams. Dr. Reg Williams is a professor in the School of Nursing and Psychiatry Medical School at the University of Michigan. He is a Vietnam veteran and is the principal investigator for five research grants funded by the Department of Defense. Welcome to the show, Reg. Well, thank you, and thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Uh, I know the military is so important and, and the military losses, and I, I know there are a lot of issues. I've talked to uh, a couple of people from the military who've had losses, and uh, I know it's kind of a different ballgame, isn't it, a bit, when you have somebody die in the military? Oh, certainly. I think, uh, uh, you know, any parent, uh, any family member that uh, loses a loved one that's young and which uh, many of these young men and women in the military are young, and, and to lose someone like that is is a horrendous loss and one that, that uh, you can never truly... Uh, deal with on one level, and that is is the fact that this that you know parents often think of themselves dying long before their children, and so to have that loss is is horrendous. Right, and and one of the things that I think is difficult um, in a lot of these losses is their kids aren't around them; they're far away. Mm-hmm. So you can almost it's almost like maybe they're still alive on some in some way. You know, it's, I think it would be harder to really accept the fact that look, they're not coming home. Yeah. That's that's very true, and uh, yes, indeed, they're they're a, a great distance away, and and uh, the unrealness of of getting a phone call to be told that information, or however you're informed, um, mm-hmm. is is a, a a very heart wrenching and awful experience for anyone. Mm-hmm. And and then it could be that they may never see the body, or that uh, it could be a, a while, or what and. Do they have to deal with military red tape, or how does it go? I guess the military has a pretty smooth system of dealing with families, don't they? Well, they do. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I think the military uh, tends to be, uh, uh, tries to be very supportive to the family and, and has a number of, of, uh, of uh, features that they provide the family to deal with that grief. And, and I think those of us that have been in the military and have been healthcare providers, you know, uh, I, I think the one thing that's, that is very important to recognize is, is how much we do care about those young men and women that we care for. And uh, much of my work in terms of, of talking with nurses who have cared for combat casualty patients and patients that have died, uh, you know, I can tell you they're, they are unbelievable in the amount of work that they provide the patient to provide them the best care that they can to uh, make this a transition that that uh, is survivable or or even dealing in helping the family to manage what it is that they're facing. Mm-hmm. There, there's some tricky issues, aren't there? Like I, I was working with one woman whose um, son was separated from his wife and uh, they were getting divorced, but the divorce wasn't final and he was killed and uh, in action, and, uh, you know, uh, the wife had control over everything. It was very difficult. Oh, I can imagine. So, uh, but but I think that, that one of the things that you're saying is if our audience out there has had, had this kind of loss, I think the bureaucracy can get in the way of really people that really do care. 
Mm-hmm. And it sounds like there are a lot of people that care. And I would also think, Reg, and I mean, you're the PI, the principal investigator for five studies, um, that the military would be up on the cutting-edge research on what helps people after loss and what helps them heal and what helps them find hope again because they have dealt with a lot of loss. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, when you look at... Um, what uh, the military has tried to do in terms of of helping uh, individuals that are injured in war and and the sequelae of of, of war experience, uh, you know, there has been a lot of resources put putting forward to to help young men and women to manage what it is through wartime. It, you know, there's I don't think anybody in the military would say that that war is is a pleasant experience. <laughs> there is never. Would it be considered such? Uh, it's it's an unfortunate part of mankind that you know if you look at, at the inception of of people on this earth, you know there seems to always be uh, a war of ways of resolving conflict, and you know it it the, the fallout to that is never pleasant. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you because I know a lot of our audience, and we may even have to carry this into the second second segment, but I want to talk to bring it up now, and we can start on it. A lot of our audience out there and a lot of people we hear from have had a traumatic event where a child's been killed in war or whatever, and they can't get the trauma out of their mind. Mm-hmm. Do you have any suggestions or thoughts? Because you must deal with that that kind of uh, people who have seen trauma. What What do you suggest? You mean in, in terms of the family member yeah, of that, just that tremendous loss? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think that that in many ways, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, the grieving process that is is horrendous. Uh, uh, you know, in any circumstances, when you lose a a loved one that close and and um, under such circumstances that it has a, a tremendous fallout in that sense. But the thing that I think is is important, and and much of my work when I've worked with uh, depressed patients uh, dealing with loss of of one sort or another is is to help them, you know, reframe it. Uh, secondly, uh, the fact that uh, to uh, remember the good times of that individual. I think one of the, one of the best ways to heal, and, uh, and I know this even in my own family, when I watched a loved ones die, of how my family deals with the grief, and and the, and the grief is a lot of times a lot of food and a lot of laughter. And in, and when I watch what goes on, is they're talking about all the good times that they had with this person, and I think that's really important to get through that that period of time that is so painful. And you know, you will have your moments of sadness, but there's also those moments of of, of actual hilarity about some of the things that that person did yeah. that you want to remember forever. Humor, something you yeah. never want to lose. Yeah. Humor is a great thing, and and that might be something that our audience might think about about the holidays now is that you might. Might uh, just ask people to come up with some stories when you get together in advance. You can have a family advocate. If you you don't feel like doing it yourself, you can ask a friend or a sister or somebody to ask family members if they could get together uh, stories uh, about about your loved one that uh, passed away. Um, much of my work has been um, that started actually with Navy recruits. Uh, I'm a, a captain that retired from the Navy about four years ago. And um, so much of my work was started out with helping uh, young men and women that are uh, Navy recruits at, at uh, Great Lakes uh, where they go through boot camp or basic training. 
and the stress of, of that, and um, uh, and we were very interested in helping young men and women deal with the stress of boot camp and and not have that create uh, uh, depressive symptoms because one of the things that's very often associated with uh, depression is um, having stressful conditions. It's not the cause of the depression, but it triggers depression. Wow, that really fits into loss, doesn't it? You're darn right. Big uh, trigger. You betcha, and and indeed that's what it what uh, we were looking at uh, through the work that we've done. That has evolved into the development of an internet intervention uh, that uh, we have called Stress Gym, um, sort of depicting the idea of of helping to reduce stress, so exercise to reduce stress, if you will. And within the program, we've developed a, a series of strategies to help individuals manage the stress that they're under. And and um, the work that we've done thus far has been very encouraging in terms of the helpfulness to this uh, for uh, young men and women that have been in the military. Uh, is this available to our audience for long? Not, not yet. Uh, we're still in the um, uh, study phase of this. Um, we are certainly working towards that end, and I hope that that in the future it will be available to anyone, but uh, not at the moment because of the research. Can that you we're give doing. us some of your hot tips? Well, some of the things that that we have found uh, that uh, individuals have helped, and and I I would think some of these strategies would be even useful for individuals that have had a horrendous loss of a loved one. And uh, one of the things that we found that was very helpful to the the recruits when they were going through uh, their probably most stressful time period, where they are really um, um, having to do activities that are pretty strenuous. Uh, they have to run a mile and a half. They have to do it in a in a short period of time, and uh, and it, and they keep them up all night. And I'll tell you, it is not what you'd call small time stress. Right. It it really is. One of the things that they found that was very helpful was uh, the image that they would hold of a loved one out at that end of that run, and they could have that person. They could see him in their mind, cheering them on saying, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. I love that. I do, too. And it really works. That's kind of what we're doing on the show, isn't it? Exactly. You are exactly doing that. You're helping your audience create an image that they're going to make it, and and they will. And, and I, I would think- suggest that, it, that it's not your loved one at the other end, but somebody, you know, the loved one that's died. Exactly. Or somebody in the, uh, that's living right now that is cheering you on. Exactly. And if you haven't got anybody, we're here, aren't we, Rich? That's you got it. There you have it. <laughs> we will cheer you on. So have you got another one? That's fabulous. Well, that, that's one. I think one of the other things that uh, we've had uh, that's very often associated with depression is problems with sleep. And um, one of the things that that we have built into the module on sleep is strategies to help individuals uh, to get adequate sleep. Because when you are not sleeping, uh, that will increase depressive symptoms without a, without a question. That's really important because we know there's a lot of sleep deprivation out there with a loss. Oh, tremendously! Because you know the person goes to goes to bed, tries to concentrate on falling asleep, and all they can see is that individual in their mind, and that doesn't help them to get to sleep. And and then they get sleep deprived, and then they're really in trouble because of the mere fact that they're not getting adequate rest. 
uh, we we literally developed a um, a part of the program is a number of strategies of what helps and hinders sleep. And for example, a lot of people think that alcohol, as an example, will help you sleep. Well, indeed, if you if you're in the program that we developed, you click on on that that uh, icon and it shows a person looking wired and then in the sleep box we call it a sleep box says alcohol will make you sleepy but it actually interferes with your uh, uh, sleep pattern and so in reality alcohol makes your sleep problems worse it doesn't help it and you also uh, tend to wake up exactly Precisely, that's the the effect that the alcohol has on your sleep. That you actually have more moments of awakening in, uh, during the night. All right. Give us another one. Oh, another one is is um, um, you know uh, reading or watching TV in bed. Well, that does not work to help you sleep. So the best thing that people can do is get rid of a book. Uh, if they're going to read, read in a in a comfortable chair, uh, and then go to bed when you feel sleepy. Well, the Bible uh, always puts me to sleep, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what generally find is is that of course, of course if you're if you're concentrating on something, then yeah. what it does is it tends to keep you awake. You know what really wires me is working on the computer right before bed. Yes, yes. I that mean, will that do it too. really accesses some part of my brain that, you know, I'm alert. Sure. So, and so, so like then you, you can't get be, to sleep. Yeah, your bed should be a place where you're sleeping. You should be, yeah. you know, doing the Internet and, uh, in the bed and reading and watching TV. You should be sleeping. That's correct. Okay, give us another one. Well, um, I think one of the things that uh, we have uh, really helped individuals around depression is um, what uh, depression does in terms of uh, altering your thinking. And uh, one of the things that people get into when, they're, when they are depressed is all or nothing, as an example. So they, they will think in all or nothing. It's either all this or none of it. And where in life is it ever that dichotomous? Mm-hmm. And so what, one of the things that you have to do is work to change that pattern of thinking. And that oftentimes take, requires help from another individual to help you to, to alter that, that distorted thinking that's going on. In you know what, what comes up for me, Rich, when you say that is, you know, we always recommend that people go to Compassionate Friends or some group where they can tell their story. And I think that doesn't that alter your thinking when you can keep telling the story, keep getting it straight, keep having people ask you questions about it. Exactly. Kind of changes your story. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the same thing in a, in a principle of what therapy does. By the mere fact that this person is hearing themselves make the statement, they start to recognize that, oh, my goodness, you know, here I am talking about this as if it was all or nothing, and in reality that's really not it. But until you've said it out loud, your your brain can make it think in that absolute dichotomous world, and and, and it never is like that. Yeah, we know that, that that some of the brain reactions can be the same to the event uh, when the event happened. They can be the same brain uh, stimulation even after, right? Sure. If you don't change it. Well, that's uh, interesting. I like the idea of you hear yourself because what I used to say was, uh, I get, when I finally got bored with my own story, then I knew I was moving on. Yeah, exactly. You were healing. That was right. a sign of your healing. Yeah. So, give us another one. Uh. 
uh, let me think in terms of one that that uh, I often do with my own patients that I treat for depression is um, I will use um, a form of journaling, and uh, this is where they they write their feelings and thoughts on a piece of paper, and that's theirs, only theirs to keep, but it helps them to to write it down. Mm-hmm. Some people find that very helpful, and it's just a, a, a form of what's called journaling, uh, keeping a, a log, if you will, of what's going on during the day that is very upsetting to you, and write down what your thoughts are and what your feelings are at that moment. And by doing that, you're keeping a record to sort of see how you're progressing in terms of, of what is going in on your thoughts and feelings. That you also form, don't have to remember those things if you write them down. Exactly. I used to have a hate list, frankly, where people said stuff to me about my son getting killed that really bugged me. I'd write them down. Mm-hmm. I called it my hate list, and, you know, and I got over it. Right, because what you do is, is you can write it down, and then you can let it go. Right. And, and that's a very effective way to deal with, with, with loss like that. The other that I've found that, that I use, if people don't find journaling helpful, and some people don't like to write, and that's not their style. Uh, they're more willing to uh, graph it. And so one of the things that we built into the, into the Internet program is a, a graphing feature where they can record the amount of stress on a scale from 1 to 10, how much that they feel stressed. And then what we also help them in the program is uh, how to uh, their emotional reaction to that stress. So if you think about it, your your stress goes up, goes down, depending on what's going on in your life. You don't have a lot of control over the stress that may be in your that's going on in your life, but your emotional reaction to that stress is what you want to start working to have it come down. And one of the things that we built into the program is is a lot of stress reduction techniques, you know, like deep breathing. Uh, and we have a, a place in the program where we uh, have you take a deep breath and let it out over 10 seconds. Well, how long is 10 seconds? So we built a clock so that you can sit in front of the computer and you can actually watch the clock count down from 10 to, to 0. And you can take in a deep breath and let it out over that 10 seconds. What a great idea. We're going to have to close the show now. I can't believe it. This is, we're going to have this guy back, Heidi. He's got some, yeah, wonderful some wonderful things going on. Well, yeah, and a deep breathing, I think, could really be helpful for everyone. Well, and the University of Michigan, I just want to say, they have a wonderful um, depression website, right? That, that you can go correct. on and, and figure out whether you're depressed on there, and mm-hmm. they have recommendations and whether you you want to say a little bit more about it, Rick? Well, I think uh, you really have said it, Gloria. The, the Depression Center is continuing to develop uh, a whole series, and I'm involved in uh, what is going to become a tool book uh, uh, that will be available and um, a toolbox is what I think uh, we've called it at the Depression Center uh, that people will will be able to use to help them to deal with whatever they're going through at the time. And there's going to be a series of things that are available. That's great. And Stress Gym is is going to be one of them. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Reg, and I know you've really given our audience some good tips and ideas and help for the holidays, which Thanks, uh, Reg. can be rough. Thanks well, a lot you're certainly welcome, on. and uh, happy, do- uh, happy holidays to both of you. Thank you. You too. Uh, thank you. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. 
you can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com. 